0: In a time of social media-hyped partisan scream fests, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that plenty of people on the other side aren't stupid or evil. I'm political scientist Mike Baranowski, and my podcast, The Politics Guys, is built on the belief that for democracy to work for everyone, we have to be willing to really listen to each other and have meaningful conversations about where and why we differ. I hope you'll join me and my intellectually and ideologically diverse group of co hosts as we work to understand our differences and seek common ground. You can find us at politicsguys.com or in your podcast app.
1: Institute for Democracy at Penn State University. Welcome to Democracy Works. I'm Jenna Spinelli. We have a very special episode for you this week. Chris Beam sat down with Tim Miller, former Republican political strategist and the author of Why We Did It, a travelogue from the Republican Road to Hell. You might know Tim from his work with MSNBC or the circus on Showtime. But in this conversation, they talk about the moral motivations and the moral failings of the Republican Party and some of its leaders in the Trump and post-Trump era. This dovetails with some of Chris's work in his most recent book, The Seven Democratic Virtues. And as you may suspect, uh, many of those virtues are lacking in members of the GOP, in Tim and Chris's estimation. They also talk about young conservatives and how they may exacerbate some of the dangerous trends that Tim's observed over the past couple of years. We will link to Tim's book and his writing at the Bulwark in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chris Beam and Tim Miller.
0: Tim Miller, welcome to Democracy Works. Is it working? It's good to
2: be here. I'm happy to be on the podcast. It's
0: aspirational. There's no doubt about that. But... And, and becoming more aspirational every day, um, but that's you know that's why you're here. You're going to help us uh, figure all this out. I read your book um, because it, it it addressed a question that I think is like front and center. Right? It's 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 a very important question um, in terms of um, figuring out where we are, how we got here, and you know if. If even if it's even conceivable to say how what we do about it, right? Yeah. So what happened to the U.S.? What happened to the Republican Party? Um, what happened to that made you know tens of millions of people follow this um, you know malignant narcissist? And 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 in in some ways that that's that's the question of the book, right?
2: Yeah, well, I don't know if the question of the book is the tens of millions of people. The question right. of the book is why the why the people that knew better in the political class went along with the, such a, you know, manifestly incompetent malignant narcissist. Um and and so, you know, because I think that there's a lot of reading out there. I've done a lot of reading that's outside of my expertise about you know, and there's some global elements to this. Like, why is populism, you know, and demagoguery on the rise uh, other places besides America? You know, what was it about? You know, the shifting you know, nature of our political coalitions that you know attracted Trump. You know, that, that made Trump attractive to you know white working class certain demographics. Right. The the question of um, you know is this economic anxiety or bigotry or a little bit of both. Right. Like so, all of that stuff. I just I tried to not. You know, go into that academic turf. This is what right. you. This is where you guys are, and, <laughs> I, and I wanted to speak more towards. Okay, you know, all of that is happening. The question is, there were some people who had, who who had the opportunity to make choices that that might have helped mitigate all of those other problems right like had a certain you know preponderance of people in washington and new york made the right decision made leadership decisions um made decisions where they where they sacrificed their own self interest you know we might have been able to avert the worst of this right I, you know i think there'd still been underlying problems we to deal with but um but they didn't do that um you know pretty much everybody that i worked with went along with Trump. And, um, you know, there's some obvious reasons for that, but I think there's some less obvious ones. And, and so I, I, I wanted to, you know, try to get at that question, which is like, why did people who knew better, you know, who are in positions of power, be that in positions of influence in the media or positions of power in, inside the political apparatus, um, you know, why did they go along with something they knew was so hard, you know, was right. was so potentially disastrous. And, and so I, I did a bunch of interviews and kind of reflected on, on, you know, my own career. And the first half is more of like a look back at, you know, the modern Republican party. And then the second half is, is a look at why, you know, because I didn't do it. <laughs> why my, why my peers uh, continued to go along with Trump once he, once he, uh, you know, won the nomination.
0: No, I, I mean, I think that's, 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 Gets us to the to the to the nub here. Right. We are not talking about the unemployed steelworker in Youngstown. We are talking about really the the people that the unemployed steelworker in Youngstown hate. Right. We're talking about the cultured elite. Right. The coastal elite. Right. These are people who are who are not afraid you know about the the condition of of, of the, the trajectory of the of the country. They're not afraid about the collapse of you know um, you know a Christian moral establishment. Nothing
2: like that. Right? These people's lives would have been completely not only just fine but still wonderful if Hillary Clinton had become president. Like that. That's really the fundamental element to this. Like, why was it so hard for people just to say, "Man, in this one case." this has gone over the line and and we just need to unite together and and say no to this dangerous demagogue and we can live to fight another day in 2020, right? Uh, You know, not in the political consulting class, the media, you know, even if, uh, you know, even if you just look at the types, that, there's very few of us, right? Like, look at the types of people that did do the right thing. You know, Bill Cristo started the bulwark with us. Uh, Jeff Flake, you know, he, he's the ambassador to Turkey. You know, right. Bill has a nice life in suburban D.C. Um, you know, like, I, I, sure. What was it? was the way to maximize your earning potential and influence to go along with Trump? Absolutely. Right. But were these people at risk of any threat to their person, any threat to their financial stability? Like, no, I, you know, I, I kept, when I kept interviewing like more like mid-level consultant types and they'd say, well, you know, I got college, you know, is going to cost a lot for my kids. And, and it's like, I mean, you, anyone could have just said, Hey, I'm going to vote for Hillary and I'm going to go work for Facebook. <laughs> any of these people, right? Like these are not people that are economically insecure in any way. And yet, um, you know, they still decided to go along with this just atrocious thing because it was the easy way to go. And and it was probably the mo- more, I know mean, certainly the more lucrative option and, and there are other factors at play too.
0: Right, right, right. Um, so, so, as I and, and when I reach out to you, this is what I said, I, you know I see like three kind of buckets in terms of explanations. Yeah. One is kind of human nature. One is kind of the craven moral cesspool that is DC. And then three is kind of something distinctive about the Republican Party. And I wonder I mean I mean I don't want to go are there other buckets?
2: Yeah, I mean the this, this I guess the the fourth one uh, that which would maybe fall into, you know, as a subgenre of the first or the third bucket. The, the thing that most surprised me is um uh you know, within these within this elite set, um there was a a, a peer-based grievance. That was a lot more deep seated than I realized, and maybe mm-hmm. some of that is human na- part of human nature. But I, I you know, it is not. I, I don't know if that's what you were referencing, right? Like this, this notion that, oh, you know, like. I might be financially well off, but um, the liberals, the progressives are ascendant culturally, you know, they get invited to all the good parties, you know, they're the ones who get who get praised and get awards given to them. Um, Meanwhile, I'm over here, you know being successful. Sure. But like my wife's friends hate me and think I'm a racist now because I work for Republicans and you know, I, I, the media is mean to me and I don't get a fair shake. Um, and because I'm a white guy, maybe I didn't get appointed to this, um, you know, board of prestige Mm -hmm. that maybe I would have been right. So uh, like that element, what that kind of interpersonal grievance within intra elite, um, uh, you know, set was was kind of the most surprising thing to me um, when I was hearing for people because I was expecting the inertia. Oh, this is my career. This is what I've always done. I was expecting the oh, the Republican Party has kind of trained us that like <laughs> that this is all a big game and that the beating the libs is the most important thing. I was expecting the money defense. Oh, I need to pay for my kids' college. Like I wasn't quite anticipating just how like rotted the the soul was, um, when it came to just, um, uh, you know, the kind of the schoolroom cafeteria element of all this.
0: That's exactly where I was going to go because yeah. you talk a lot when you, when you're talking about specific people, you talk a lot about how these folks were not the most popular, um, Kids in high school right. or in college, right? Yeah. And and that there was some kind of you know just kind of this was their shtick, right? That they dress up like Alex Keaton, which is a reference that nobody under your age is going to get, let alone you
2: know, yeah, barely my age. I was very. Young. I think the only right. reason I get the reference is because I was Alex Keaton. Okay, fine. I think right? that really, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a quite an old show, but
0: yeah, yeah but but you get the, the point is that that these are um, kids in college or high school and college who were, um, on the outside of the elite in, in, in those worlds. Right. Right. And it, you know, and I have to tell you when I was reading this, I was, um, thinking about something. My, my mother is in a, um, you know, in a senior home and, 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 the woman there said that the dining room there is like high school. And I'm like, Oh God, kill me now. Come on. Really? <laughs> that it's the same kind of dynamics <laughs> and the same kind of um, who's in, who's out, who's up, who's down, who's friends with who, who's pissed at who. And, and, you know, I, I kind of get the sense from reading, reading what you talked about, like Sean Spicer and Ryan Priebus, that, 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 because of that happening at such a formative moment in our lives, that it just never goes away.
2: Yeah, there's just this hole of like in people of wanting something, right? And and I think the the thing that is bipartisan about this, um, and and trust me, I, I do talk plenty in the book and and we can on this interview about the unique Republican elements to this, but is that DC, you know, the kind of the the drug that gets people excited about dc is this access to power right now there's a certain type of person for whom it's actual power right that they like being the one making the calls but that, that that's almost like a different psychological category it's the being around power the proximity to power like that's more the fun part right because you don't have to make any decisions it's it's you know getting to go into the oval office getting to tell you talk to your friends about it getting to post about it on social media right like that getting to fly on air force 1 all of that stuff is the drug that drives a lot of these people and and many of them were not, right? It's just the types of people that were very interested in politics in college that were in the speech and debate team, you know, that that got good enough grades, right? Like to go into all of this, it was not necessarily a very clean overlap usually with the types of people that were, you know, whatever on the football team and, and got invited to the cool cake parties. Um, and so, so there is this in D.C., just uh, you know it's most grotesquely um on display during the the white house correspondence dinner the nerd Mm -hmm. where everybody's just so excited it's like these third tier actors are coming from from hollywood and everybody's like i want to be i want to be by them i want to be with them i want to be invited and 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 they're just you know and, and 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 so i think this is like one thing about the book that i tried to get at i think people sometimes miss um misdiagnose this is all about money Right. Mm -hmm. Like that people just, you know, there was money to be made. And so people did it. And like, that's really more of like a New York kind of thing. Right. Um, The DC crowd, the access was more important. And, And you have this hole in you. If you don't feel like you were recognized, you don't feel like you were seen growing up. You don't, you didn't feel like you got invited to things. And now all of a sudden you are. Right. Like you're not just getting invited to the White House. You're getting you're getting called by heads of studios and senators and 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 media and people recognize you in the airport because you're on TV. And and that, uh, you know, and, and you're just constantly filling this hole inside of you with like all of that recognition that you never got before. Um, Trump gave a lot of B, C, D list people the opportunity to get that recognition that they hadn't gotten, and, and and they got the added bonus of they got to put the finger their finger in the eye of the people who they thought had been getting the recognition in an unearned way, you know, the Obama people and the Clinton people and stuff. And it's like now I'm the one that gets to go on Air Force One, and I'm the one that gets you know recognized, and I and I I just I think if you, misunderstanding that misunderstands kind of what the appeal of that of, of Trump was to to the spicers of the world, and then
0: this the problem is I mean you know this is a hole that cannot be filled right I mean and and especially so in this case because even though they had this even though they were on Air Force One the, the cultured elite. Still didn't think it was nearly as impressive because it was Trump. Right. right. And so there that all all that did was like, well, add to this feeling of resentment. Yes. Right. And and to say, all right, well, then I'm gonna up the ante yet again.
2: Right. Yes. And this goes to what I tried to get at about like, why didn't people jump off eventually? You know, it's almost like I you can almost understand. I mean, for me, Trump was so repulsive, it, it was just not possible. But you can almost understand why somebody could justify in early 2017. Yeah, man, I can go get this job. I can be the spokesperson for the State Department. I can travel around the world and and I can get this job I never would have gotten for anybody else. And, and, and it's going to make me feel important. It's going to help my future per- career prospects. And, you know, it, it's going to I'm going to get that recognition that I'd lacked. And then you get in there. And Trump is is just it's even crazier than than you even thought it could be, and, and you are not getting the recognition. In fact, the opposite you are getting attacked and insulted, and people in your life are being mean to you, and you are losing friends over it. And, and that does stir up that resentment, you know, in a way that that kind of boomeranged them into into f- feeling like they wanted to even grasp tighter to Mm -hmm. this thing that they weren't even 100% sure about, right? To start with, right? Because it was like, okay, now you have this bunker mentality. Now, now, now it's like, I got to prove these guys wrong, even more wrong. And, and and so I just, when I was doing these interviews, it just was alarming to me how many people cited this kind of thing that they were just like, I felt, I, I don't, now it's been a little while, so I don't have this exact quote, right? But it was, but it was like, someone said to me essentially, you know, I felt like I had no choice but to hold on to the one or two things that I agreed with him about, um, you know, and and block out all of the rest, you know, in order to justify and rationalize, like, my need to keep doing this, right, right essentially, right? It is like, I was so mad, I was so resentful to all the people that were telling me that I was a bad person for going along with this, that that, that it almost thrust me into his arms even tighter. And that's, you know, and the second to last chapter of the book was with Alyssa Farah, who I think people have plenty of have different views on. Some have problems with her, but but she did leave at the very end, you know, too late for many people's tastes, including mine, but she did leave in the end. And I tried to kind of grapple with like why she she was able to kind of separate herself um, while so many other people couldn't.
0: Um, that In... You know the in my my human nature bucket is um, you know referencing the you know the sunk cost bias, right yeah. that that when you're in um, when you've made a commitment to a strategy and this can be anything, right? You know, um, um, this happens on Wall Street all the time. And it happens in sports when you get a team that said, this is our strategy, we're going to do this. And we're going to, we're going to, even though it's obviously not working, we're not going to change it. Right. And, and so you can see that, but it's also in terms of, of, you know, this required kind of doubling down on a, on a sense of, of personal identity and what tribe you're in. And so there's this, you know, deeply existential dimension to this, you know, what, what do you, what exactly, or maybe it's better to say, what are you not giving up by walking away from this? Right. I mean, yeah, you still have, you know, resources, you still have, you know, your, your Ivy league education, whatever, but you, you have made, you've defined yourself in terms of, you know, who you're connected to, and to walk away from that is, you know, for anybody, an incredibly difficult and, and terrifying prospect.
2: Yeah. And this is true. This is one of the things that, as I was writing the book, scares me most about what's happening society-wide right now, because I don't know if this was really so much of a thing 20 years ago in the 90s when I was growing up, that like people like identified themselves as part of a political tribe, as a core part of their identity, and I, I think that they do now. Uh, but it was always the case in Washington. Right, and and so these people, their, um, you know, their their friend groups were were based on their party. The bars they went to were based on their party. Their poker nights um, were based on their party. The uh, I, I joked, but it's true. I know multiple people who named their daughter Reagan, um, who lived in Washington. Right, so like you have like literally your child's name is attached to this tribe. Uh, And so, okay, now you if you to step away and not just to step away and say, oh, I'm going to go do something else with my life now. You know, I want to be whatever I want to, you know, I'm going to own a winery or, uh, you know, I'm trying to think about other jobs. I'm going to go do PR (laughs) for Corp for United or whatever. I'm going to go like open up a restaurant. That's one thing. But but to step away and say, no, I'm stepping away not because I want to do something else, but I'm stepping away because that thing that was part of my identity is actually bad. Right. right. It's, 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 I, I, made, I made it a bad choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's something the wrong horse. That's very challenging. Right. Yeah. And because then it's not just you have to accept that you made a bad choice, but you have to like admit it to everyone in mm-hmm. your group and, and they all made the same choice. And so mm-hmm. now it it has an impact on your interpersonal relationships. They look at you differently, right? Like I can see it. So my life ended up being fine, right? And I read in the book about how I've come out of the closet already, so I'd already made big identity changing things that worked out great for me. So maybe I, maybe it was easier for me than for others. But I can see this. You know, I still feel it sometimes with my conservative family members you know, that I feel like look at me a little differently. They were so proud of me, right? Like they told their friends about me. You know what I mean? My, you're talking about your mom and the thing, my grandma in the, in the senior citizen's home, like she would, because I, I would go on Fox, right? Which is what they watch. So she would like, <laughs> she would tell her friends about me, right? And now she doesn't tell her friends about me, right? You know, I, like that's little things. But I had, um, I joked that I had my, the wedding, I got married to, to my husband uh, in, in 2018, two years after Trump. I was always worried that people weren't going to show up to my wedding because it was a gay wedding. Uh, and I, that I would have conservative family members or friends who who wouldn't feel comfortable. I, to my knowledge, nobody didn't show up for that reason. Several people didn't show up because they were former colleagues of mine that were mad at me over my Trump apologia. And I was like, "This is we're living in the upside down here." If you to had right. told like high school me that you're going to get into a gay marriage and, right. and the people aren't going to come because because you didn't support a political candidate, I, you know, the whole thing is just very strange. So, so those are just a couple of examples, but. You know, you just project that out onto a group, you know, th- this tribal element is so part of human nature and it's so intensified in Washington that that uh, that I do think that it, um, you know, w- w- what might seem very easy to say no to such an obvious moron uh, bigot, uh, you know, ha- carried with it a lot of weight that was detached to people's personal identity. And it reminded me of the Catholic church. My family's Catholic. And, and with that, with the Catholic Church, with all, with the uh, scandal around that, right? I, mm-hmm. I saw some similar parallels there with my family because so it was like they they didn't want to accept, right, mm-hmm. that there was mm-hmm. this bad element. Maybe there's a Penn State parallel. I don't know. You can, no, you I, know.
0: well, you know, <laughs> I mean, at at some point, you know, most human beings are confronted with that problem. Right. Um, and you know, and how you address it and whether or not, you know, and whether or not you just rationalize it or you compartmentalize it, there's lots right. of strategies that we all have for dealing with it. Um, something you said, I, I think is another kind of place that I, that I wanted to get to. Sure. And that is, you know, when you're talking about DC and this kind of, you know, um, you know, the hacks of the world, the com- the campaign operatives, is it, has it been forever thus or not? You know, and, and on the one hand you have, you know, I mean, I think it was Truman who said, if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. Right. <laughs> so it's not wrong to think that this is, um, you know, this is a world where self-interest <laughs> overrides, just about everything else. And these and this is the way the game is set up and this is how we determine winners and losers. Yeah. And so that's just how people are going to operate. On the other hand, you know, I know that you know stories about, you know, I mean Reagan and, and Tip O'Neill would hang out together and drink together. And there are stories about um, you know, um U.S. reps getting on planes after they had just ripped each other and then going back home and sitting in the back of the plane, you know, just emptying those little bottles (laughs) one after another. And just and just it's not it was like they were able to compartmentalize. Right. Or at least see that as maybe part of the game. But I don't know that that's true anymore. I, I just I don't think it's true anymore.
2: Yeah, um, I well, I don't think it's true for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I so I would answer this by saying, look, I think that in some ways it was always thus, and and maybe is unfixable, right? But there were bumpers around it. If you look at George H. W. Bush, who I greatly admire, right? Um, I'd I worked for Jeb, uh, who admired his dad so much, and you know, I'd been have read his letters and and his private correspondence, um, and um. You know that's been published since his death, and I haven't read any secret correspondence. Um, but uh, uh, you know, he so often did the right thing, right? Like at times, especially after he's in in the presidency, you know, uh, at times that that maybe hurt him a little bit politically. He was thoughtful and caring about other people in his, you know, uh, de- people Democrats, in the other party, and would write to them. And obviously, his letter to Clinton, right. you know, was so magnanimous, but. He also was at the RNC during the during the Nixon impeachment, and and if you go back and read some of his defenses of Nixon, it's pretty cringeworthy. You know, it's well, pretty cringeworthy. But but yeah, and he, and and he also right? hired Lee Outwater, yeah. um, who did some right. So so you know there were these you know the two wolves <laughs> inside him, right? Um, but and so like to me, it's more of a question of 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 whether, you know, there is, there is this balance, right. And there is this consideration, right. that politics is always going to be a competition at some level, but you know, if you go back to the Nixon era, maybe HW didn't do the right thing, but there were very many I mean, Nixon's resignation was because members of his own party, you know, mm-hmm. were willing to go speak out against him. Right. And so I think that some of the things that have changed now um, are uh, number one, I think in the mass media age, and I write about this a lot, the, the, the deal, the the extent to which people treat politics, treated politics as a game in the lead up to Trump, really, I, I went on to hyperdrive, right? Mm-hmm. I think there were, you know, you ha- you could come up with these examples of the Lee Outwaters of the world, but they were more of the exception to the rule. And and, and I think that that became a much more widespread, you know, element. I also think that certain things about politics changed, the incentives changed, um, social media, cable news campaign finance reform, a lot of the things that kind of kept collegiality, you know, the way you gained power in old Washington was really through collegiality and being serious, right? Like demonstrating that you could lead a committee, demonstrating that you could gather a group together, to get a bill passed, right? Uh, that, the way you gain power now in Washington is by being a clown, Particularly on the Republican side, this is once a time where like that, that, that it's especially true on the Republican side, right? By getting on Fox the most, by you know, um, by 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 saying the most outlandish things, so you can raise fundraising dollars on it. So um, I, I think that there there is some through line, you know, from whatever Nixon to now about just Washington being a cesspool. But I think that we have really put it on on hyperdrive in the past, you know, twenty years.
0: Yeah, no, I, I actually one of the th- one of the stories that came to my mind when I was reading was, um, Michelle Bachman went into you know the you know kind of extreme. Let's not say insane, but let's say extreme. Yeah, a U.S. Rep. from Minnesota, Republican, went into um, Boehner's office, Speaker of the House then, and yeah. said, "I want to be on some major. I think it was Ways and Means." Yeah. And and she and he's like, "Hell no, yeah, right. <laughs> absolutely not." And she said, "All right, well then I'm going to go on Fox tonight, and I'm going to um, raise enough hell that you're going to do something." And I mean, it, it speaks exactly to your point, right? There is an there is a an avenue to power, especially in the Republican Party, but not exclusively, but but particularly, that um, has completely overridden the kind of status quo um, pattern for developing power in in yeah. DC.
2: And then you get the self selecting element to it. And I, and I think that uh, just really quick about the Republican Party, and I think this is two things: just to understand the problem and 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 look at where we're going. Because uh, it's a different problem. The Part of the reason it got us into the Trump world was that I, I think that the Republican campaign self-selected really for people that were more cynical. And, and, and I think that it was it was mainly just because people that were, are pure ideologues, conservative, Christian conservative types, just like aren't really the types to go get campaign jobs. Right. It's just like the nature and, and the people that were getting Democratic campaign jobs were, were like, you know, West Wing, Obama, earnest folks. Right. And so I think that on the Republican side, you saw a lot of people that like were really almost nihilistic you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that chose to go into that because it was like, I like politics, I like the competition, and, um, you know, whatever. And I write in the book about a guy who revealed to me during the interviews that they've never voted for a Republican for president. <laughs> and like this is at the high level of power, but he just likes the rush of it all, right? So I, I think that that's something a little different. Now, I, I think that 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 is getting exacerbated to a great degree. If you look at the type of people that are self-selecting into the Donald Trump party, like think about you know, I don't, I don't want to insult any students at Penn State, but think about the type of person who's 2022, who's like, Mm -hmm. I like politics. I'm maybe, I'm maybe kind of ideal. You know, I'm ideologically, I'm forming my ideology. You know, I'm not talking about the kids that come that are super, you know, already ideologically foreign, but I want to go work in Washington. I want to go work in campaigns. The type of person that's going to say, yeah, I'll go take a job for the RNC. Like during the Trump era, after Trump, it's a different type of person. I, mm-hmm. it is, it is somebody that ha, that has accepted that they like that, that they're cool with the trolling and the mocking and the cruelty. And so, I, I worry deeply about like the self selection of who is um, who's choosing to to enter. You know, right now, and I think that that's true. bait from like the entry level jobs all the way through candidates. Right, like what kind of candidate wants to run? You know, I always say I, I get calls, frankly, from from people who are conservative mainstream like should i run in a republican primary and i I basically have to tell them no i I said you should do what you want i'll support you but i there is just not a path for you unless you you know are willing to debase yourself for donald trump Uh, that has an effect on what kinds of people are going into washington so this is an ongoing thing that i think is actually getting a little worse over time you have this pot of of explanations
0: and and um and phenomena that, that are just all mixing together to make it very, uh, difficult, not, not only very difficult to get out of, but also exacerbating it. Right. I mean, that, that you do have, um, you know, people doubling down and, um, people feeling unable to escape. And, you know, if you look at not just here, but throughout the country, if you look at the um the 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 leaders of the college republicans right now it's a type and yeah. and i don't see that going away yep. because there's no other way to be a young republican right now
2: yeah. Uh, spoiler, this might be uh, coming to a future book uh, near you. But um, yeah, I hear uh, I, I I feel the same way. I'm, de- I'm deeply concerned about the young Republican element to this and, and how that's going to move over time to the first part of your comment uh, question about the the Democrats. I, I do like I said, I think that there are some unique elements in the self-selection of the types of folks that are working in the Republican Party and the types of tactics that Republicans used and, and we haven't even talked about that much about the conservative media world, which is a unique beast and animal. Um, so I think there are a lot of things about the Trump um, effect you know, the, you know what happened that was, that was unique to the right. The things, the two things that make that make me concerned, you know, are one, just the human nature parts of your bucket are true across human nature, right? Sure. Inertia, you know, if some insane leftist, you know, took over um, uh, the Democratic Party, there would be some people that would succumb to inertia and succumb to careerism and right, succumb to you know, I want to want to wanting to have access to power, right? Like that's not it's not just right wingers who have those weaknesses, uh, but the, the the more acute thing that worries me is that is the tribal, the tendency to, you know, um, to, to put on your team Jersey and, and have, and decide that everything about the other side is horrible. And so I don't even need to engage with any retrospection about it. I I see this happening on the left for good reason, (laughs) by the way, I Republicans don't deserve a lot of consideration, but, um, I, I, you know, I worry how, Um, one of the key rationalizations, this was not true for everybody, but there were some people who went along with, with, with Trump because they had so internalized that the Democrats are bad and evil. And if the Democrats are bad and evil, that, justifies any action to defeat them and and i do i worry a little bit about the development of the inverse of that um mm-hmm. i think that there are some things that the democrats have some antibodies against that for example the the left-wing media ecosystem is much more heterodox and and much less um no i don't know de than the right-wing one <laughs> right. and and it's also more of a diverse electorate and i think it makes it a little harder for a demagogue to to take over when you have you know, very diverse constituencies, both, both, relig- uh, you know, academic, racial, etc.
0: All I want to say is that, um, I think your book and your work, um, are a, a real service in that regard. Not to say you can't be wrong. You know, of yeah. course we can all be wrong, but, but you are committed to, um, telling the truth. And even when it, um, when it's not flattering to yourself necessarily at least in your past self. Yeah. So I just want to, you know, I want to commend that and um you know not just for yourself but also as an example to um to all of us. Um I just I think it's um it, it's the only choice we it's the only alternative we have to what what's going on is to just um reflect reality as we
2: genuinely understand it. Thank you. Um, I'm doing my best to do that. It's very freeing. I, I think it is the one thing it's it's my best understanding for why uh, liberals uh, care to hear from uh, never Trump anti Trump Republicans is uh, uh, I worry that the 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 dark angel on the shoulder is because it flatters their biases um, uh, and I think maybe there's something to that but I of think course it, there be, is yeah, yeah yeah but the the other reason though is that I think that we have a freedom to kind of to say what we really believe without thinking about. Career, whatever implications, uh, because you know we've already <laughs> we're kind of shot uh, at this point on that front, and so even some of my Democratic friends say that they appreciate you know that I can kind of go out and talk about this stuff with an in an unvarnished way. That sometimes they feel like they have to you know choose their words a little more carefully, right? Because you know they're thinking about I don't who knows like I don't know the next Democratic president might call me, and I, you know I don't want something out there that is going to make me look bad and. Uh, So anyway, I hope that the latter reason is as much of it as the former. And I'm doing my best to just not to not BS people anymore, at least. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, it's a uh, it's a good and um, fortunate position that you've got yourself into. But you came by it honestly and obviously took a long way to get there. So anyway, um, Tim Miller, thanks very
2: much for for your time and for your work and for uh, joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm always happy if there's a student or, or whatever that wants, help, uh, you know, an intro or help or or two cents. I'm I'm happy to do it. So thanks for reaching out. Great, thank you.